Welcome to Trinity University's Learning Together podcast series. I'm Nathan Cohn, class of 1995, your host. I work at Texas Public Radio in San Antonio, where we sometimes characterize what NPR does as the nation's biggest continuing education course. That's why I'm excited to be a part of this series featuring faculty, alumni, and other distinguished guests who are experts in their fields. At Trinity, I knew of Aisha Sultan, class of 1996, mostly through friends we had in common. Now, I've been following her on Twitter for several years to read her thoughtful writing on families and change for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. For this podcast, her conversation partner is public relations and communications expert Allison Hawk, class of 88. They'll be talking about the effects of social media on teens and young adults. Chris Miel, class of 87, who works at radio station KMOX in St. Louis, assisted with this recording. Hello from St. Louis. I'm Allison Hawk, a 1988 graduate of Trinity University, and I am excited to be at KMOX Radio with Chris Myhill, who is a graduate of Trinity as well. He's an executive producer here at KMOX. Class of 87. Class of 87. And I am here and proud to be with Aisha Sultan, who is also a graduate of Trinity. I am. Class of 96. And we are here to have a podcast today as part of the ongoing series of Lifelong Learning. And we are talking today about social media and the effects that it has on teens. We all happen to be teen parents. We happen to also be Trinity grads living in St. Louis. So hi from St. Louis. We're excited to be here coming to talk to you today. And we are really focusing in on some of the experiences that Aisha has had over a number of years. She was a night fellow at the University of Michigan a number of years back where she spent nine months really looking into this issue at a time that it was still relatively new. So she's going to tell us a little bit more about it. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things we need to be thinking about as parents and as consumers of media and as role models um, for that as well. (laughs) Exactly. And so I am a journalist here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and I write a column that looks at family issues and how technology is changing families. And I've been doing that for about 10 years. So seven years ago, I went to Michigan and it was really a personal thing because at the time I had a kindergartner and second grader and I was posting a lot of their funny anecdotes and stories on Facebook. That's how I was in touch with all my friends. My family lives in a different state. So, and I was posting their pictures. And one day my five-year-old said something really cute to me and I thought it was adorable And he saw me reach for my computer and he said, don't put that on Facebook. In kindergarten, he said, don't put that on Facebook. And I thought to myself, you know what? At what age do we have to start worrying about our kids' intellectual property rights, their privacy rights, how much information we're sharing about them, and how this might be used in the future? Because I'd been just doing it in a good-natured, good-intentioned way. Right. You know, I think a lot of us initially started out using Facebook as just a way to stay in touch with people or get back in touch with people. So I started looking more into it. Like, how has our privacy been compromised? How are these kids growing up different than the way you and I and Chris grew up? And it's dramatically different. And most parents at that point, seven, eight years ago, had not given much thought to this issue. And once I I went to Michigan and I started really looking into it, I realized that all this information about them is being collected in ways that we don't know and is going to be used and stored in ways that we don't know. And that's what really scared me is that somewhere, somehow, decisions are going to be made about our children with their information that they had not given their consent to be shared. It's an an amazing topic, and it's interesting to me because I have a Trinity University student now who was a subject of one of your articles a number of years ago. Yes. And it is on the Internet, and 
it it has been a source of communication controversy within and he my was 14 years old at the time correct when i yes and it's funny that you bring that up because that's right like and you know my kids at the time were school aged and now obviously since i've become much more careful about which images I, I share of theirs online and I ask their permission before I put anything about them um, on a social media site, even if it's private. Now their use of social media has become much more of a concern to me because it starts around middle school, to be honest, especially with girls. They really feel this pressure because it's how everybody's communicating. It's how everybody's making plans and staying in touch and showing what's going on in their lives. It really, It really is something that has taken on a life of its own and it's something that you don't necessarily give as much thought to because you didn't grow up that way so thinking about being intentional right. about it exactly. that particular article inspired some conversation and it makes me a lot more thoughtful about what i do and do not share with having three kids and thinking about facebook is really the holiday year-round holiday greeting card it really it really is right but at the same time thinking about all the documentation and all those things it, it tends to be a little bit um, Well, and we've invasive. seen all the privacy breaches. We've seen the way in which data has been manipulated. We've, see, we've seen how, you know, it's been used to affect um, in very nefarious ways. <laughs> um, now, this is not to say. So I, when I started researching this, I talked to people who have been studying this issue and researching this, and it was pretty nascent at the time. But somebody said to me, I think at Pew, uh, who's, who've been doing surveys on this issue for a long time, that you cannot take children out of their generation. And this is the way their generation is primarily communicating with one another. Now, I believe, um, and looking at the research that's out there so far, that there are more benefits to communicating in person and via voice-to-voice than there are primarily communicating through a screen, right? Uh, You learn much more about how to interpret conversations and context and a lot of life, social, important skills that you miss out on if nine hours a day or 10 hours a day you're looking at a screen and having most of your conversations that which way. is what we've we've done some research on and it's exactly. at least nine hours a day exactly that that teens are so how at. is all this social media use and technology use affecting teens that like that's the biggest question right and it's affecting them on three main levels one neurobiological it's affected our attention spans the way we process information and i will group all of us adults because we also use technology and social media i mean i'm a complete addict and i'm constantly looking at uh, the news online um so i'm I'm not just sort of singling out one demographic although they are heavier users um and they're they've grown up with it they've come of age with it which is different than us right our experience with it is different so one is neurobiologically an attention span and ability to um, focus and do deep thinking. Two is in terms of social skills, the ability to have conversations face to face and um, feel comfortable in social spaces without a security blanket and the uh, habitual use of a device to make you feel comfortable. Um, and relationships, like our first exposure to sexual contact for them, it happens largely through a device now, a phone, whether it's through pornography or sexting or being asked for a sexually graphic image, um, very different than how we grew up. Right. And third, um, I would say also just with your mental health. So with correlations with increases in anxiety, depression, uh, low self-esteem, these are all correlated to heavy social media use. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, So 
there are many ways. Now, that's not to say that all social media use is bad. Obviously not. Teens also get tremendous positive reinforcement and feedback and validation from their friends and support. I mean, we, I've seen that reported as well. On the other hand, is that balanced out? Are, are there more pluses than negatives? I would argue no. I would argue the dangers and risks greatly outweigh the positive aspects that teenagers get from it. I would also say it's very negative and very impossible almost for parents to be the one to say, you need to stop this. You you know, you're, you're on your phone too much. Because what's the first thing a teenager is going to tell you if you say that? It's my life. Exactly. I can do, it. I can do like, what I want. The more that a parent right. will tell them not to do something, the more they want to do it at that age. I mean, it's the whole developmental right. thing. Correct. And that is their safe space in a way because growing up, we did have spaces outside the eyes and ears of our parents, right? Like we would go hang out with our friends in their houses. We'd do things like we'd go to the mall. We'd, and okay, so kids don't really hang out that way anymore, but they have places online or in chat groups or in Instagram direct messages or wherever else, WhatsApp, you know, conversations where they're having conversations outside the eyes of their parents, right? For better or worse. And so it's not to say that they shouldn't have privacy. They should. The problem then becomes how do you mitigate all the risks and other deleterious effects that go with social media use so your kids can benefit from it, from it, have a healthy relationship with it, and not, God forbid, potentially ruin their lives by a stupid mistake they make online? Like, isn't that a nightmare? It really is a hard thing to think about because there are some great things about my right. kids being connected and me being connected to people all over the world, people right. that I've known for a long time, people that I've just met in different ways, and, and kids as well. But at the same time, the, you know, sort of the compulsive people, non-compulsive people becoming exactly. compulsive. Exactly. You know, like the way we act sometimes. Well, and the teenage brain is set up in a way to, re- their, their reward centers are more reactive to social media rewards. Right. So there is like the dopamine that they get when they see a like or a message or a, an alert from their friends on social media is more much more powerful and addictive than it is for us. And think about how addictive it is for us you right, know exactly i mean i think also though it's like taking a little piece of las vegas in, in your hand right so all the things and all the bells and whistles that vegas has done for so many years it all became you know in our iphone hands right and so you know i wouldn't consider myself a compulsive person but i you know overuse social media on a regular basis i feel like i overuse my phone and technology and i use it in dangerous ways when i'm driving that i shouldn't that i'm trying to get a handle on because there are times when I'm multitasking, that, you know, right. fallacy of multitasking. Um, and there are times when I'm with my kids, when I feel like they have half my attention, because I'm also thinking about other, like, oh, did this email come through or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They don't have my full attention. So as a parent, here's my advice and something I try to live by as well is even if it's just 15 minutes a day where you can say, look, I'm setting all my stuff away. And I just want to talk to you, hear from you, what's going on, what's going on with school, what's going on with your friends. Um, Even if you can, it doesn't even have to be 15 minutes at once, because sometimes that's asking a lot from a teenager. If it's like five minutes, three times a day or in the evening. Right. Right. I don't know. Dinner time conversation. So there's a conversation at dinner. There's a five minute conversation at dinner. There's a five minute conversation when you're driving to school. There's a five minute conversation before everybody goes to bed at night. Okay, that's something. Follow them, be their friend on social media, periodically check in. I mean, I don't have enough time in the day to monitor all their conversations, nor do I recommend that once your child is like older than, you know, 12 or 13, maybe. You have to teach them how to be responsible, but you can't, 
I don't know. There are some parents who have all the spyware on and they think it's important. I think that at some point your kids are going to be in college and they have to know how to use this stuff. Correct. And they have to learn their own boundaries and so forth. Hello, this is Danny Anderson, president of Trinity University. Thank you for listening to the Learning Together podcast series brought to you by Trinity's Office of Alumni Relations and Development and produced here on campus by our friends at KRTU 91.7 FM. We're so glad you tuned in today and we appreciate your continued support of lifelong learning at Trinity University. Welcome back to the Learning Together podcast from Trinity University. I'm Nathan Cohn. Let's return to the conversation with Aisha Sultan and Allison Hawk. One of the things that I have um, found to be pretty important, at least for me, and it doesn't mean that it happens with all parents, is I think it's important to not have my device in the bedroom at night. And I have made that rule in my house and in my house. You plug it in outside of the bedroom at night, and that's just the way we do it. That is not the case with everybody, and I've gotten pushback about it, but I think there's a lot of data that says that sleep deprivation is a really difficult thing for any person of any age. You've got to get enough sleep. So not And it's especially sleep. teens are chronically and more negatively affected by sleep deprivation than adults are. And one thing that causes sleep deprivation is getting up in the middle of the night, check your phone, or hearing a ping and getting up to mm-hmm. reach for it. And that happens. It that does. is a it's major a real issue. It's, it's a, real a real thing. Fine. I think that's very smart what you do. And this is a pushback I get with my daughter when I say, okay, get, put your, well, I need my alarm to wake up in the morning. Oh, we've had that pushback. So we, we have a little, um, we have a little old fashioned alarm. And I will say that I have a really special guest here today who is my 13 year old and I'm not going to have her talk, but we have an issue because we have the Apple watch. So the Apple watch can, you know, kind of do some of the same things and it doesn't necessarily have an, an impact, but you know, I think you have to figure out what your boundaries are and you have to think about what your role modeling is as a parent as well. And it's really a challenge. Exactly. That's the thing is that kids, the one thing they pick up on and they feel so um, strongly about is when someone's being hypocritical and like, it's the whole do as I tell you, not as I do. Correct. Right. And so if you are constantly distracted or looking at your phone at dinner or at night, falling asleep with it and waking, looking at it first thing when you wake up, that's exactly what they're seeing. Correct. As And so that it's much harder to then make the message. Yeah. I remember at one point I had my kids were concerned about um, uh, their dad using their phone, his mm-hmm. phone in the car. And they were they said something and and they were sort of it was sort of a dismissive kind of comment back. And um, it was really concerning because it's a safety issue when you're driving in a car and you right. make that comment. And I I try not to. Sometimes my kids have had to say to me the right. same kind of thing. Uh, my I kids have said it to me, too. Really respectfully. But, yeah. you know, they are growing up in a in a more aware culture. Yeah. What I like about some of the things that um, the kids are now exposed to, they're exposed to more. Yeah. So they're bringing up things that we didn't maybe talk about. Yeah. Back in the day, right. they're they're a little bit more raw on some of the things that were not talked about openly. So that in and of itself is a good thing. Well, they have this incredible, like, sort of cosmopolitan sense of issues and the world and a savviness about them because at such a young age, they were bombarded with so much and they had access to so much. In a way, it makes me a little sad because there was this innocence associated with childhood that I feel like is harder. Mm-hmm. So I had this rule when my kids were in grade school that Monday through Friday were zero screens and like no TV, no computers, no phones, Monday through Friday. And you know what? That only lasted until they could start saying, but we have to do our homework on the computer. Like, so by sixth grade, right. and they get Chromebooks now in right. middle school, yeah, right? they sure do. Um, 
And as, honestly, as soon as that rule ended, I just felt like the whole tenor of our family life changed. Everyone became much more in their own space rather than all of us together. I think that's really interesting. So my kids are 22, 19, and 13. And so I have two generations in the house. And the, the older kids did not get a phone until ninth grade. Now, they bought iPod Touches, so they were right. able to text their friends. So they so they weren't completely nerdified right. by me. Um, and they they used their own money to do that, and it was it it was able they were able to communicate, but they didn't get them until they needed them. Going on debate yes. trips, going on choir trips, going on things that they needed needed to do. But my thirteen year old has one earlier because yes. things have changed in a yeah. lot of ways, and um, it's a it's a sort of a different level. She's a different generation. Right. She she has never seen us without an iPhone, and so right. it's just a very different kind of um, conversation, and it's very different in terms of developmentally. So the best things you can do for your kid is try to hold off on them getting a phone as long as you possibly can. Thirteen, if possible. Like I tried to wait till twelve. I mean, I think I did um, with both my kids, but I wish I'd waited even longer. I wish I'd given them a flip phone before I just given them gave them an iPhone um, or a smartphone. Um, hold off on letting them get a social media account as long as possible. Um, I made the mistake with my daughter of letting her get one when she, you know, right when she asked because all her friends had one. And I didn't want her to be socially isolated. But with my son, I've been much more strict and I think it's beneficial for him. Although boys tend to veer more towards video games and YouTube videos right. rather than like the Instagram stuff. True. And so he will watch video games, people playing video games on YouTube for like hours. And I'm like, what are you doing? How is that entertaining? But it is for them, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, so that's the thing I think you also have to be careful with. But in our house, we've had this conversation in so many ways, so many times that I think my kids, like their eyes roll back nearly into the back of their heads when they see me. <laughs> sure. Oh my God, are you going to talk about technology and phones again? And I'm like, yes, I am. But here's why. And you're not in a place where your body and mind allows you to regulate this stuff because you're still learning and developing and growing. But I just don't want you to make a mistake that's going to come back to like have somebody bully you, embarrass you, shame you, be used against you um, in some way, somehow. Or even a college will make a decision about you mm -hmm. based on some something right. silly that's sure. an inside joke that somebody's posted it on your social media. Right. And to remember to be kind in yes. doing all of the, the things that you do do, that there's so many um, children who are socially isolated or they're Social media is one of their primary functioning exactly. ways to have get a relationship and relationships, and and there are so many kids that are really suffering from a lot of anxiety, and I think probably things that are more along the lines of depression because of the way um, social media is and the kinds of things that they need validation on. And I think the brain science is really interesting when you think about the you don't really develop. Uh, as a female until you're 25 and you don't really develop as a male until you're maybe 28 or 29 from what I understand. Until the whole development, the whole is, development com of the brain like, is not complete. You right. have a difficult, we have, we have needs to have some boundaries and right. parameters because you, you really can't regulate, but it's so addictive. I know. And the more your kids tell you that, you know, you're ruining their life, you're so mean, nobody else has these rules, like that's probably a signal that you're doing something right. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. You just sort of have to take a little bit of comfort in them thinking that you're the worst person in the world because right, you're probably you're doing, you're doing a favor in some right. ways. I mean, here's my problem. My problem is, and I'm so tired by everything I have going on in my own life with work and all the demands in my life. The last thing I want to do is have an argument with a teenager about their use of the phone. Like I'm just already wiped out and spent by the end of the day. 
It's yeah, that is so true. And um, the kids have gone away to summer camp where they don't have devices, which See, I think is really great. A Na- detox. We have a nature deficiency in our culture and society right. that's just dramatic. And you don't have to go away to a a long-term summer camp, but getting some nature every day and yeah. maybe listening to some music on your, you know, right. in a, in a, with your with your earphones is really great. But I think being able to do that, I think the continuum of kids and their parents and different rules that you see too. There's quite a few, but when mm-hmm. you're tired as a parent, it's it's easy just to say, okay, you know, I could have said, gosh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna change that rule about having that plugged in out outside of the outside of the bedroom and I'm not willing to do that I think right. it's, I don't think it's okay and yeah. I think later on I think it, it will bear um, to bear that some was fruit a good, yeah good I think decision. you're right absolutely Chris what about you and your experience well I first of all I'm not on Facebook yes I've never had a Facebook account uh, number two the rule in our house you had to be 13 before you received a phone not an iPhone and it was a flip phone and I have a son who just turned 13 this year and what did he he got a track phone so it, he can text and he can call. He can leave voice messages. So that's been the rule with our house. So we've been pretty strict about it. I think in the future you're going to look. The science is coming together. The studies are coming together. And I think 10 years from now, the next generation of kids coming up, you're going to be – phones will be almost regulated like tobacco or something that they're going to be limiting. Well, not right. the suggestions. Not the government, right. be, the government yeah. won't be doing it, but they'll say, the pediatricians will be saying, hey, right. do not right. give your kid a Good smartphone. Point. I heard a campaign recently called Wait Till You're Eight to give your kid a uh, iPhone. And I thought that was ridiculous. We started with a with the with the kind of the basic phone. For, right. The track phone know, or whatever yeah, it is. Right. On, on the young on the younger age. But the, the older kids didn't get a phone until they were till they were, you know, yeah. ninth grade, which is. Well, and so that was I pretty think, significant. So and you know what? It's hard once the genie's out of the bottle. Like if there are parents who are listening who are like, oh, my God, you know, my kids already had a phone. I can't, you know, how do I, what do I do now? You can still um, regulate how much time they spend on it. You can put boundaries on where in your house and at what times it's used. You can model good behavior. You can make um, spring break or a few days or a weekend day where the whole family's not looking at their right. devices. So there's still a lot of things you can do. Absolutely. And this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for hosting it. Thank you, Chris, for letting us come in. You use the Camo X Studio. Um, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Yeah, this was great. Thanks again for being part of the, yeah. for the program. Thanks for listening to the Learning Together podcast. I'm Nathan Cohn. Today's episode was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development. New podcasts will be released on the last Friday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest a topic for a future episode, please email us at alumnipodcast at trinity.edu.